When you're infected with the Peloton, there's only one cure. Welcome to the Pelotonitis Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Pelotonitis Podcast. My name is Anna. And I'm Jeff. And this episode, we are going to be doing... I don't know what we're calling it officially, but it's like the best of, you know, it's our best of episode, not <laughs> our season. best, right? Not our best of, because that would be very oh, short, no. <laughs> but the best of of the cycling season. 2014 season wrap up. Yeah, there we go. Look at that. But I feel like now it's officially, officially over, you know, we don't have much else to talk about. So <laughs> we'll Done just talk about the season. Yep. We'll just talk about the season that was. Hey, before so, we get started. Oh yeah. Can I jump in for a sec? Yeah. We always try and or I always try and remember at the very end to thank the listeners and thanks for putting up with us and you know, all that stuff. But I watched I just wanted to do that uh right up at the top this time. Cause we are coming up to Thanksgiving. And one of the things I'm really thankful for is Anna's persistence, perseverance, <laughs> and all those other P words, pelotonitis. Um, <laughs> just letting let me jump into this and and have a good time, and and to the listeners for you know for being there because we just we just have a good time doing it, and you guys are out there, hopefully laughing at us agreeing sometimes with us with us not a <laughs> yelling at us sometimes <laughs> there we go there we go um but it's just it's just fun and it's really cool to know that you know there are a couple listeners out there so i have yeah. no idea how many and it kind of tracks that a little bit better than i do but mm, not really <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for listening we hope yes. you enjoy it I know. I know most people probably don't listen all the way to the end, the end. So it's true. Mainly, I just don't like to give up on things. <laughs> I hate to be seen like a failure. So that's why I keep going. <laughs> well, I I look back at a few podcasts that I've listened to in the past and they mm-hmm. just, you know, a lot of them come and go. So, mm-hmm. right. And I had to say this year, this season was difficult for me, especially towards the end because I just got really busy and didn't have as much time and my work situation changed so I can't watch at work anymore and I'm sure my employers are fine with that but (laughs) (laughs) from a cycling fan perspective it's very hard to truly appreciate the season when you can't watch all the races the way that you used to so it's I think that's a normal fan perspective I think people get that yeah, Maybe yeah. We all struggle with that. Right, that's true. Point. Right, we're just doing this in our spare time, what little we have. So I would love to be like the Velocast and do this, you know, full time, but I can't. <laughs> so it just, it, it made staying engaged with this season a lot harder, honestly, because I can't watch every day or I'm not home on the weekends. It's it's hard for me to, it was hard for me to stay engaged this season. If we were full time, though, we'd have to really accountable for I stuff. I know, right? No, we'd have that, to like that'd do be way well. too much pressure. That's so much pressure. I couldn't handle that. You'd have to no, find somebody either. else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. So it definitely made 
But at the same time, I'm also grateful for it because then it kind of forced me to stay engaged with the season. Like after the races were over, go and look and see who won and how the race played out and whatnot, which I probably wouldn't have done otherwise. So, you know, I guess there are upsides and downsides. So that's our highs and lows of the season. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we appreciate you. That's what I wanted to get across. Yes. Good job, Jeff. Thanks for bringing that up because it's true. And that kind of brings us to our recap. I personally, I don't know that I can really speak to a lot of the races because I wasn't able to watch them live and, or even necessarily watch a replay. So, but you followed and you had some, I did, but it's it's hard. It's hard for a race to really stick with me if I didn't actually watch it. Okay. You know, cause like there's those emotions, especially if it's something really exciting and kind of gets that adrenaline going. (laughs) Like I didn't really have that. So it's hard for any of the races to really stick out, you know? Right. So I feel like I more have impressions, like overall impressions of the season and the different riders more so than I have like specific thoughts about specific races or stages or whatnot that happen. Mm-hmm. So. But I bet if they were replayed in front of you, you would say, oh, I remember that now. Probably. Yeah, I remember when that happened. Probably. But like I said, it's hard because I, you know, I don't know if I didn't see it live or if I didn't see it, watch it at all. It's hard to make a huge impression. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think we could probably say this year was, I don't know. I, I don't know if yet last year was dubbed year of the crashes, but I feel like this year could definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe isn't I feel every like every year. year, year of the crash. Yeah. Right? yeah. Isn't every year of the year of the crash. But I feel like this <laughs> season to me really stru- stuck, stuck out to me the way that pro the the favorites were kind of striking out of like the big races you know the grand tours things like that right to me and the one that really was... stands out is tour de france right completely upended by decimated and... yeah and you can say the same thing for like you know in the vuelta with quintana like you know mm-hmm. crashing out so it seems like there were a lot of the really big riders that were affected by crashes you know who a lot of the favorites were so that was um a definitely a a low light i guess <laughs> mm-hmm. um but another thing that was really stuck out to me overall was sort of like this reemergence of the sprinters because it used to just be calf Maybe Sagan, right. maybe a little bit of right. Gripple. But there was a really big stretch in there where, like, Cav and Sagan were winning everything, you know? If they were in a race, they were probably winning it, you know? In past years, you mean? Yes, in past years. Yeah, yeah. But this year, it was like, I just felt, you know, they really had their work cut out for them. Because you have... Oh, it was a, yeah, it was a grab bag. Every sprint was up. <laughs> yeah, there were so many other names playing a part and you know like Dagan Cole Kittle if you know especially if Kittle if he was in a race he was the year he was sort of the one that was like well if Kittle's there he's probably winning you know mm-hmm. or I mean Kittle was very consistent and Dagan Cole was very consistent but then you also have like Damar and Buhani you know these other um, riders as well yeah and looking just, back through my season 
full of notes. Mm-hmm. Buhani was playing a part in so many sprints this year. Yep. I mean, really consistent, which yep. I would even have expected. Right. It a, was a little bit shocking. Not shocking, but, you know, it's fun to see other um, other guys making a, making a name, you know, kind of. Right. It wasn't just a griple, kittle, cow uh-huh. show. And I think it's then it's almost more exciting when, you know, Cav or Sagan or someone else's wins. Like, it's almost more exciting. It's exciting again, you know, to see them <laughs> be awesome and win. Yep. So that was really the other something that else that really that really stuck out to me when I was kind of going over the season was was that. What about you? What were some things that kind of stuck out to you? Well, not. In that kind of topic, you know, we always want to look to the young kids. Uh huh. And I put down the new kids on the podium, the <laughs> NKOP. Clever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we had Rowan Dennis, Lawson Craddock, yeah. Alex Howes, Esteban Chavez, Rafael Micah, Wilco Kelderman, and even uh, I'd put down Kieserlowski. Yeah, yeah. And and all of our new favorite, Fabio Aru. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. we always look for the emergence and the new stories that are coming, and, and this year just seemed to be full of them. You know, it was just every race there was somebody, you know, kind of coming out of the shadows and surprising you know, yeah, the old guard. Young, yeah, younger generation. And it was it's cool because, I mean, none of these guys are really like, neo pros you know they've kind of been there here you know they've been in the pros for a couple of years now so it's kind of cool to sort of see you know that them kind of finally come into their own as sort of a professional rider right right you know mature and like you not only get stronger and older but you know just become more mature and be able to make those big races and then make a you know make an effort um and i think i think on one hand we were kind of looking for that yeah so i don't know but I think it was there. I think it was real. Um, then the other thing, yeah. once I started looking into those, it started leading me to, it was kind of the year of the Colombians. I mean, I think uh-huh. that was brought up different times during the year. You know, you had Esteban Chavez, you had Quintana. Duarte. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, what's the other one that I'm thinking of? Uh, oh my God. I just had it right there and I, and I lost it. <laughs> oh, shoot. I can't remember. It'll yeah. come to us. We'll yeah, right. Scream it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking it up because oh, I need to she, know. Okay, she can't do it. Oh, Solar. Roberto Uran, but that's not who I was thinking of. Herrera. Good, but no. <laughs> <laughs> not who he's thinking of. Oh, this is terrible. Escobar, Quintana, Avedo, Acevedo. Acevedo. Atapuma. Yeah. I guess him too. Yeah. But I think Acevedo is who I was trying to think of. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot. I mean, let's see. Yeah, Escobar. No, never mind. That's, he's not. <laughs> I was like, that name's familiar. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, Atapuma. Acevedo, no. He's old. No, there's another... Acevedo. 
He made his mark in last year's Tour of California, and Garmin picked him up this year. Oh, okay. And he had some good, strong rides. I mean... Yeah, no, you're right. All of the Colombian... Hanier Acevedo. Ah, okay. You're looking at Jose Acevedo. Yes. I was like, the name sounds familiar, but then I was looking at it, and I was like, wait, no. He's like 64, so that's clearly not the right one. But yes, this year was definitely, I would say maybe last, because last year there was quite a few as well. Um, That was maybe sort of the start of it, perhaps, Mm -hmm. because it was, that's when Quintana really became, kind of stepped out on the national stage, I I feel like. Um, but I also feel like Adapuma, um, and some of the other ones have been like, I feel like their names have sort of been out there for a little while. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, I've definitely heard their names quite a bit, you know, mentioned and whatnot as up and comers and and whatever. But I feel like maybe this year was maybe the year they finally kind of came, rose to the top as it were. (laughs) On occasion. Yeah, they were there. Right. So I think it's, to me, it's also, it's, I'm also really interested in kind of looking at the overall picture as well. Not necessarily just like individuals, but just kind of looking at overall impressions. You know, how was the season? You know, what happened? Um, so to me, that that's, now that, so another, I'm on that line, another thing I kind of was interesting to me was the Aussie cyclists were also pretty, I mean, it's, I mean, even if you just look at Sarah and Garens and Michael, Ma- Michael Matthews, like, right. Mick Rogers, he's Australian, right? Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, not New Zealand or anything like that. No. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, so not including Mick Rogers, you know, who, but both, you know, I feel like there was, Aussies definitely was doing well. And I, I don't know. I feel like maybe part of that you can attribute to um, Orca Green Edge sort of cultivating some of that young Australian talent. Yeah, they've been they've been growing. Right. Obviously sure. McBra- McRogers is isn't there but on that team, but you know, so th- there was a lot, you know, Australians had a good year too, so I think that that's pretty cool to see. Yeah, how... I think if we look back years from now, 2015 would be Australia and Colombia. <sighs> yeah. Really, I mean if you look at the nationalities that really stood out. Really making their mark, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, so Garens, I mean, he's definitely I think both Garens and Michael well, Michael Matthews was really interesting to me because I feel like he's always been sort of typecast as a sprinter. And not mm-hmm. that he's not a sprinter, but I feel like he showed a lot more range this year than he has in previous years. Um, okay, yeah. You know, he spent five days in pink at the Giro. And granted, he's not wearing pink, like, through the mountains or anything. But he was wearing pink on maybe more classic style days. Right. Where it's, you know, lumpy. So you think he might be an up-and-coming challenger for Sagan? Um, I don't know about that. But I feel like maybe he could be an up-and-coming classics rider. He's forming into that type of rider, yeah. Right. I don't... Sagan is kind of his own special movie. <laughs> uh, 
And not that he's not. Obviously, he's beatable. He, you know, he was beat a lot this year. But he's kind of his own. He's his. He's his. He's a very right, special butterfly. Right. He's a special snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can definitely see Michael after this season. I never would have said it in previous seasons, but after this season, I could, I can, I feel confident saying I could see him being a classics writer at some point in the future. Right, he seems right. to be sort of maturing as a writer and finding other ways to be successful rather than just sprinting. Because I don't, I mean not convinced he was that much of a sprinter well, I mean, he was okay simon garrett's it's not a bad place to learn craft, <laughs> you know? right i mean speaking of garrett's you know he had a great Crushed first half of this year. season yeah. yeah yeah he was australian national champ he won the overall at tdu he won at liege best on the age then kind of took a took time off uh but oh we got third amstel gold and then won both of the races in Canada and came back in Montreal and was second in Worlds. And he was ranked third yeah. overall on UCI, the UCI rankings. So, you know, it's a, he had a good year. Pretty he amazing. Was, it was, yeah. Yeah, he did. So it was cool to kind of see him. It's interesting because, like, he was just sort of winning one-day races, you know, sort of at the beginning and sort of end of the season. And Michael Matthews was there winning in the in the Grand Tours. Mm-hmm. Not winning, but, I mean, you know, making an impression <laughs> at the Grand oh, he Tours. A, he had a couple stages. Yeah. Didn't he? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Possibly. But he was able to stay up. I I'm not. He had to get in the right. I think he. I think he I'm thinking in the Giro. He won a couple stages. He spent five days in pink. In the Giro. Okay. Yeah. But I don't remember how he got into it. If it was because um. Oh, he won stage two ahead of Dan Martin and took. Pink. Okay. Okay. So he did actually win some stages. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I think, I and then I, I think he came back maybe for one or two more stages after that, in that hmm. late first, early second week. Yeah. Let's see. Well, in the Giro this year, yeah, he did. He won. He was in the jersey because Orca Green Edge won the time team time trial. And then he won on stage six and then held the jersey for one more day and then lost it. Okay. So he did win some stages there. And then in um, Vuelta, he won the first stage. Sorry. Yes, he won the first stage, so then was able to hold on to the jersey for a few days after that. So you're right. He did. I don't – for some reason, like, that just didn't register in my head that he had actually won any of those races or won stages. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're right. I think we'll see him in the classics next year. I think so. I think he's because yeah. the stages he won were were tough, kind of tough guy mm. stages. They weren't just a pure sprint. It was more a battle to the end. So maybe he does better. Maybe he has you know his in his odds of winning increase. Uh the the less it be, it's just a pure sprint. You know, like the more. 
factors that are thrown in. Mm-hmm. Harsh, bad weather, whatever. Not a flat out. Anyway. Um, and then my uh, Mick Rogers, unfortunately, was a little bit tarnished by the positive that came from being in China, but he was cleared of that. So, um, but it was, you know, I don't know that Mick Rogers had made much of an, a much of an impression on me before this season. Like, I was like, I knew who he was, you know, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. He's had, you know, he's shot, he's had his shining moments a few times, but I did not expect him to kind of come back the way he did. And right, it was just like right. someone had lit a fire under his ass, you know, that period of time he was gone. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it would, or maybe he just was like, I'm not taking this for granted ever again. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, he was motivated. That's for sure. So maybe he was motivated to take chances more often than, you know, he might have in the past. Um, and definitely was very impressive. You know? On the tour after, you know, Contador was out, he was kind of free to fly. Somewhat. And that, yeah, the probably, I mean, for him, he was like, yeah, obviously sad to leave Contador, but it worked in his favor. He was able to win a stage and <laughs> right. definitely was very impressive um, for most of the, for most of the tour. Right. And then he won, he, uh, he won two stages in the Giro. So. Yeah, he had he a was, good year. Yeah, he did. Well, the second half of the season anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Once he was back. That's true. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of talked a little bit about this earlier, but, um, some of the younger riders, um, it was really fun to watch them. So you have Fabio, Fabio, Aru. I just, just shorten that to Fabio. Fabio. <laughs> <laughs> the whole month named after him. Uh, <laughs> February. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> um, it was just like kind of reading over his year again. It was just so crazy to me that he was third overall in the tour. Like, right. That just kind of blows my mind. This actually. year's crazy tour. Mm-hmm. Huh? This year's crazy tour. No, he was a big right. story there because in the first week he lost a lot of time. And then just, you know, what you look for in a yellow Jersey is that consistency throughout and he just kept clawing his way back and he'd feature in this stage or that stage. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you know, he's, he's up on the podium. Yeah. That was nuts. Well, and it was very, I just thought it was so fun. To, I mean, he was just so fun to watch. He was just attacking. <laughs> he was really aggressive. Right. I mean, it was everything that people complain isn't there anymore in cycling. Um, and a lot of the younger riders were like that. Micah and Kwiatkowski, you know, they just... You could just kind of see the love of the sport mm-hmm. there, the sort of fearlessness, you know, that kind of comes, I think, with being younger. And it was kind of like Mick Rogers kind of got a little bit of that, too, you know, <laughs> got a, got an injection of youth <laughs> into him. Which we're all looking for, right? Right, right. Yeah. It was like he went and talked to the fountain of youth. And that, no, that's not a euphemism for doping. <laughs> <laughs> um, And then... So he wins, finishes third in the tour, and then goes on to ride the Vuelta. And not only does he win in two mountaintop stages, but he gets fifth overall. I mean, come on. Like, how impressive is that? (laughs) And how old is he? It's like 23, I think. Yeah. I mean, not... No, maybe he's 25. 
He is, let me look, he is 24. And he's only, I guess he's been racing since 2010. So he's been racing for a few years. But, you know, I feel like that's, let's see, fifth season oh, in the yeah. Peloton. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. So he won in the Giro. He won. Wait, wait. Never mind. I was saying, I said he was in the tour, but he was in the Giro. He didn't. Okay. He only raced the Giro on the Vuelta. I was like, oh, so impressive. He runs, he will get third in the tour. <laughs> Wow. Wow. That is not impressive. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. So he just run. Yes, he was a third in the Giro. Um, and then fifth in the Vuelta. And he won one stage in the Giro as well. So anyway, still impressive. <laughs> <laughs> still fun to watch him. Now, he had that kind of season that, you know, you think, oh, man, we're going to be paying attention to him for a few years to come. I think so. I think that's going to be fun. Just hope the pressure is not too much, you know, you get excited. All right. So then we have Rafa Micah who wins two stages of the tour and then wins the mountains Jersey in the tour. He takes the overall tour of Poland plus two stages, fourth in the tour of Colorado, fourth in the Giro, even though I know we don't call it the tour of Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only way we know what we're talking Trademark, about. Trademark, right. U.S. Pro Cycling Challenge. <laughs> um, another youngster just really lighting it up, making things exciting. Um, let's see. How old is he? 25. And he's That's been racing. That's what I was thinking of. Yep. And he's been racing since 2008. Oh, he has. Yeah. But it looks like he might not have gone... Looks like in 2012 is when he got on to a pro team. Right. That's what I was looking at. Yeah. I think. It said 2012, he was 23. and Yeah. Oh, even in 2011. Oh, yeah. He he did. Looks like he raced in a Grand Tour in 2011, but didn't finish. So, you know, there's another young guy. Like, just really fun to watch. Sort of, I don't know. To me, it kind of came out of... Like, Fabio Aru, I feel like his name was familiar. To me, Micah, Rafa Micah was felt new. Um, I was like, whoa, to, this is like, to me, it felt like he was coming out of left field. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how it felt to other people, but <laughs> to me, it did. How, what, what about you? No, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, yeah, it was it was somebody that you didn't expect to be up there with the top climbers. Right. Or you hadn't heard that name before. No. And then he's just like, Here's this, who's this little kid? Who's this kid? <laughs> <laughs> Then, kid winking at everybody. What? He's winking at all the girls. I know. Jeez. It's like a compulsion. Everybody's got their trademark move, right? Oh, God. Well, at least it's not a pistol. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and then, then Kwiatkowski, I mean, 24 and is now a world champ. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I know. We talked about this last, you know, yesterday or last week or two weeks ago, whenever we recorded. Really, really cool to see him in that place. You know, I he felt like he deserved it to me. You know, he had a very, very. Yeah, I thought, I thought this year was fairly quiet for him, and that all the results were last year. But looking back through my notes, he's been there all this year. Right. I mean, early on, he was winning races. 
Strato Bianchi, he was up with Sagan. And just, you know, early this season, he was doing way better than I, I remembered. It took going yeah. back, looking through. Yeah, and that's, I think his his top moments came more at the beginning of the season than the end. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't, you know, he did his best in the later, you know, in the Grand Tours and what he was doing, but he just didn't quite have that same punch, which to me is totally fine. I think it's much more interesting, you know, if you have a right, you know, it seems more believable <laughs> if you have a rider, you know, who has ups and downs, who isn't always, you know, winning all season long. But I thought when some of those big stages came to their final group, I thought he was in there. He was. At some he point. was. Yeah, he he was. I think he was featured a lot and he was definitely up with like the last group. So, you know, the front groups or whatever, but just couldn't quite finish it off the way that he was able to finish it off in the early season. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. You know, he pulled off a win when it mattered the most to get that um, very smart attack, very tactical attack. Uh, and then we just was able to motor to the end, you know, for the world champion. As much as um, solo finishes like that are kind of boring. <laughs> it was exciting. <laughs> to catch everybody by surprise is yep. a good way to go. Yep. Yep. Definitely. So yeah, Kwiatkowski, yeah, he started Bianca, he was second Tour of Basque, second at the Tour of Britain, third at Flesh of Alone, third at LBL. So he didn't win maybe everything he touched. You know, it's not quite the Midas touch yet, but definitely had a very consistent, and, and again, so exciting to watch. Attacking. Well, from the, yeah, from the classics know. to the Grand Tours, just consistency. It's crazy. Yep. Yep. It was just fun just to watch him try, you know, light up a race and do exciting things. And, you know, just that youth, that youth. <laughs> um, I had uh, some in one article I read, there was a comment that speculated, wondered if were there perhaps too many crashes to have like a really exciting season because it kind of takes everything down a notch, you know, when crashing is such a big part of it but the more i think about that i'm like that's just silly because uh, thank you you have crashing every season yeah it's part of the deal right it happens and i mean this isn't the first year that, that we've had you know favorites crash out of the tour or crash out of the grand tours or whatever so it's not like it's that big of a deal speaking of crashing yes Going going through my notes, um, some of our doping conversations this year. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to crash me. Um, I guess noting that the CIRC was formed mm-hmm. early yeah. on. Um, kind of the end of Johan Brunel. I'm done with cycling. That's very true, that yeah. Was, that was good. Well noted. That was definitely an upside of the season. <laughs> And that's really, I want to say, I'm in that. I mean, yeah. You know, no, that's interesting to maybe look back on some of the topics we covered, you know, the highlights in that regard as well. Not just what happens on the road, but what was sort of happening behind the scene too. Mm -hmm. Not that we've completely turned any corners, but it seems that the stuff that's being talked about is more on a positive note or direction than it has been in the past. What are your impressions of... um... Cookson for this, you know, 
I guess he's technically had his first year, his first, you know, season under his belt. Uh, the honeymoon didn't last too long. <laughs> no. I mean, which is good. I think, you know, I think he's ready for that. He's a big boy. He knows there's going to be critics. And how what I, I will say, you're right. The honeymoon period is probably over. However, I don't get the sense that there is a deep-seated mistrust like there was, right. like, you know, previous. Right. Like with them, it's like, you know, was no honeymoon. And certainly everybody, everybody sort of actively just trusted, distrusted them. And, you know, was felt convinced that everything that they did had nefarious, you know. Yeah, it was a dirty regime that needed to be ousted and they had the right. power to stay in. So that was, yeah, that was the general feeling, I think, was disgruntled at the leadership. And yeah, that's not there, I don't think. But there are going to be critics and that's fine there is he strikes me as very defensive um and i can kind of get that because especially if he's kind of getting it from both sides and everyone's you know everyone's a critic and i mean the uci still is a mess and you know it's not going it's going to take longer than anyone would really like to get it better again (laughs) and we're not going to please everybody i mean they're not going to please everybody but overall, I just feel so much more comfortable having him in charge, even if he's not perfect. True. Even if he makes mistakes or whatever, does things I don't care for. I don't... I, overall, I trust him to do what's right for cycling and to do his best to sort of clean up, you know, the UCI. And, you know, I don't feel like he's actively working against the sport, which is kind of what I felt about McQuaid. Right. I felt like he was actively trying to stifle progress and prevent innovation and whatnot. So, I mean, the fact that they're allowed to have, you know, they can have on camera, um, on bike cameras now. I mean, that shit is just fantastic. (laughs) Just like watching that is just unbelievable. I was watching one the other day that I didn't, I don't remember what race it was at. I think it was one of them, maybe the American races. And it was, I just could not believe how fast it was and like how, like how much movement there was like in Mm -hmm. the Peloton, you know, riders going back and forth. And I'm like, how stressful must that be as a rider, you know, to be in that and just not only do you have to like go as fast as you can to keep up with everybody, but then you know, not crashing to everybody all the time. And just that I level mean, of appreciation. Yeah. Makes you look at what some fans critique writers for. It's like, why didn't right. he move at that split second? It's like, <laughs> look at the shit that's going on around him. Would you, yeah. could you make that move? Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's insane. It's very... We look at it from helicopters and side cameras and everything else, you know, and get to think about it and then analyze and yeah, when you see what's playing out right in front of you, that's, mm-hmm. it brings a whole nother level. Yeah. It, it was definitely, I mean, so even the fact that Cookson is kind of letting that happen in some of the races and whatnot, that's super exciting. You know, just think about more of that. Hopefully, you know, there'll be more of that kind of helps give you an even better kind of inside look at the Peloton. And another area that I feel very optimistic about is women's cycling. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it's certainly not where I think it should be. And, you know, as we've said before, we don't 
really cover a lot of women cycling on here just because you know you know the story <laughs> but it was a topic this year for sure huh it was a topic this year it was just it really was and that makes general. me happy because the more mm-hmm. it's in the news and the more people talk about it the more exposure you know it just kind of the more people talk about it the better you know even on just a casual level uh, the fact that let's see what did i read um so the tour is gonna i think gonna add more days uh the the tour of california is adding more women's days i think either excuse me either the colorado race or the utah race one of those is gonna run some women's races in conjunction um isn't the vuelta i think the vuelta also might be doing some i women's. think that was added i think utah did this year also did it okay yeah. So maybe Colorado's adding. I think that's what it was. Colorado's adding two or three stages, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not convinced that, like, I mean, nobody's doing, like, okay, we're doing a totally equals women's race, you know, the week before or the week after or something like that. Like, that's not happening. But, you know, I guess I would rather have more. But the fact that more and more races are willing to at least put on some women's racing is a good start Mm -hmm. and you know we can't i guess it is hard to maybe ask for the moon at this point when you know i'm sure cycling promoters and cycling organizers have a hard enough time paying you know getting funding for what they already do so they're like okay let's just bring in a couple days see how it goes and use that to sort of convince the well build interest over time yeah exactly yeah did you ever get a chance to see half the road I did actually, yeah. So I haven't seen that yet. I want to. It looks like it's not going to play locally, so I'm going to have to mm. buy the DVD or something like that. Yeah, hopefully you'll be able to see that. I that really was pretty good. To see that. Is it good? Yeah, it was. It was very insightful. Um, and it's it was very interesting to. It was a long time ago, so I don't really remember the the specifics. Mm-hmm. But it was very insightful to kind of see, just sort of hear it from the women's point of view, and like talking with you know, the female riders and kind of what they see is important and what affects them. And the biggest takeaway for me, which I mean, is no surprise at all, but that these women are generally trying to do cycling on top of full-time jobs, you know, because yeah, yeah. that that's not at a point yet where they can just live off of a racing salary, unless you're maybe at the top, top teams. But even then there's still a lot of injustice but do you think having a documentary out this year helped bring some attention to that i mean i know it wasn't hugely covered but it was out there I think yeah i think so you know it. i to me it felt a little difficult because it wasn't like they were releasing this in the theaters or anything like that like basically you had to ask for it to come to your place and then sort of you know mm-hmm. it, i feel like but I guess the, not... the buzz or news story about it being released. That's true. Yeah. It got some coverage. And I think, I just think that helped bring some interest to the women's races that were occurring. That's true. I think it seems my impression, my impression was that people who saw it were generally people who were already pretty supportive of cycling. So it's not like, you know. Yeah. But not bringing in new... it doesn't matter. Even if you can just bring in a can full of new, you know, open the eyes of a few people, then that can, that's, you know, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> right, right. Right. So anyway, yeah. So I was very, you know, I'm optimistic. 
about where things are going. I feel better. I feel more confident in the UCI, even though they are sometimes ridiculous. You know, I don't feel like I don't feel the corruptness. It doesn't feel as corrupt as it did before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, everyone knows that I'm pretty an optimist about sort of everything. So I'm not I'd be sort of interested (laughs) to talk to somebody who who maybe doesn't feel that way or who was like super distrustful, you know, who or maybe who's someone who spent longer in the in the, you know, in the cycling atmosphere and was maybe more cynical. But don't you think there would be some voices high up? I mean, if he was another McQuaid in a way. Yeah. You know, the Le Mans or the even some of the other journalists would be shouting a little bit louder. That's true. I, I think there's a general trust. Yeah, I think so. He he has done well, even just like the PR department and like the things that he has done when he first started, you know. So, yeah, that felt like a very big moment when McQuaid got ousted. And I think it was, you know, I think it was something... A oh, good it was a big turning point, yeah. Yeah, it was. An a- it was actually a turning point, not just you know. Sometimes you don't know until until after the fact. You know how something is going to be. And it's, it's going to take some be. time, right? Um, I think within the peloton. I mean, I think at the at the UCI level, major change happened. But I think there's still the old guard in the peloton that. That's very very we, true. I think we all kind of struggle with. We hope yep. for the best, but you, I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. No. And I think I years think... have to go by before that kind of goes, goes away and we start feeling a little better. That is, that's very, that is a very good observation. Like even if the UCI, they've started rooting out the bad stuff there, there's still the Peloton, it's getting better. And I think it's going to take time, but I think it's just going to happen naturally too, you know, as the old generation is sort of retired out. Um, and that, cause you can even see it happening this year with Cadell leaving, not that he was a bad egg or anything, but you know, just some of the older generation, you know, you had Robert Miller, Robert Miller, David no, Miller, David Miller. Sorry. I was like, no, Robert Miller is not <laughs> current. Or Millar, um, however you want to yeah. pronounce it. Right. No, I had right uh, enough into the sunset, Scarponi, Basso, Kunigo, you know, and Evans, but yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Miller. Yeah, there was a lot of big names from kind of the older generation that are retiring this year. I mean, Voigt, you know. Mm-hmm. So that is, I think that's a good sign, you know. I don't want to say, yay, they're all retiring because, you know, it's not fair to Cadell <laughs> or Miller. But some of the other ones, I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> yep. Also. Now, who is going to be our favorite to win every race if Basso isn't in the Peloton anymore? That's right. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be Valverde. Oh, yeah. And he'll be our new default. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. So, it was. But looking yeah, back on yeah, this that's year, the other Valverde thing, too. Did is have a good year, so. What? Looking back on this whole year, though, Valverde is one of the people that you would say had a decent year. He did have a very good year, yeah. As far as consistency you know, goes. 
You know, and that is interesting because he was almost, on all the articles I sort of read about that, he was not mentioned. I don't feel mm. like he was ever mentioned. I was like, <laughs> hmm. Hmm. hmm, interesting. <laughs> but you know who did pop up this year more often than not that also isn't really being mentioned that much? Because mm-hmm. he has his ups and downs is Tom Boonen. Yeah. I mean, he was he was a player. Yeah. Um, he was, which, which I thought was good to see. We're always kind of rooting for him to make a comeback and gets close. Gilbert? Well, no, I think Boonen had a better season than Gilbert. They both did okay. He was, yeah. Gilbert did better than last year. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. You know who else retiring? Uh, Tor. Oh yeah. Yeah, we forget that another big one. <laughs> Mr. Oh, yeah, I saw Armstrong told me he was doping, but I didn't say anything to anyone. <laughs> okay, whatever. Like, I get not saying anything at the time, but like, really? Yeah. Anyway. Weak. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, a lot. You are, you are so right. If, like, the younger generation's coming in, the older generation is slowly starting to go out, you know. Which is always a little sad to see that happen, but I don't know. I would almost rather them be, you know, otherwise. So I've got would... two notes on a downer yeah. and Uh-oh. then an upper. Okay. <laughs> so I won't lead on. I, I won't leave on a downer. Um, but just kind of my, you know, we do kind of the winners and losers sometimes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. seem like this year was all Cavs year, you know. And I think yeah. we talked about that with Spinners, and it's, in a way. The positive way to look at it is more people are winning. So that makes it a little bit more exciting than one guy winning all the time. Absolutely. But I just think he had an off year. Yeah, he did. Maybe next year will be different. Um, right. And then early in the season, we talked about BMC and their new focus on how we're going to guide each rider in their oh. schedule and all that. And I, you know, you look back at the whole season and you kind of go, well, despite all the good vibes, didn't really play out <laughs> super successfully. Maybe not I mean, quite like they had hoped. Van Avermaet was there. They did have guys in a lot of breaks, and they did have people in the finale. But I don't know. Yeah. The results aren't what you would expect, I guess. No. Um, the other surprise for this year, I think, was in the past, Garmin's really been focused on that team time trial. Mm-hmm. And... They just, that must not have been their focus this year because they just weren't even a factor. I mean, them and Sky, really, you would think. Mm -hmm. But I'll switch to the positive and kind of the the Energizer Bunny was Dan Martin, who, you know, kind of proved this year, I think, that last year's Liege Best on Liege was not a fluke. Yeah. It wasn't just a one-off. Oh, the guy got lucky. I mean, he yep. came back this year really strong. Didn't get the wins until the very end, but you know, he was he had some bad luck. But he was up I there. Was, so Yes. Yes. I was also gonna say he was it was notable he was seen notable mostly because he seemed to have really terrible luck. Right, right. <laughs> but he made up for it in the end. You know, yeah, he did get his yeah. win eventually. <laughs> so, you know. But to get so many seconds 
you know, that counts too, I think. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. We shouldn't discount getting second because I know there's only one winner, but (laughs) still. That's all we focus on. Right. We do. I'm bad about that, actually. Um... Wait, did you have a downer or no? You said you did those first. No, that was my Dan Martin was my positive. Oh, that was your positive. Yeah. Okay, good. Way to end on a on a good note. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned him because he was kind of on my mind as well. Yeah, as somebody who had sort of an up and down year, but it ended well. So, and I'm really happy for them. I'm happy for Garmin, and I like Garmin. Not Garmin Cannondale. Very interested to see what's going to happen with the um, Garmin Cannondale merger. How what's that the official team up. name? I don't know. Garmin Cannondale? I don't know. I don't either. I don't know if they decided yet. I I've I've not really under the impression that they've decided yet, but maybe they have and I just haven't really paid attention. But that was um kind of an unfortunate I don't know. I'm not ugh, I'm not keen on it, but whatever. Okay. Somebody that feels good about it, tweet us and tell us the official name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody feel good about this merger? (laughs) (laughs) Anything you're looking forward to next year? Wow. I, you know, looking at one of the notes I didn't mention, I think next year I want to see the continuation of Talansky's development. Mm. I think winning Perry Nice was a big thrust into the limelight. God, yeah, I forgot about that. And then I think he had just way too much dumped on him after that. You know, and it's true. And speaking of that, I feel like the Americans had a pretty good year as well. I mean, nothing like the Aussies or, you know, whatever, the Colombians. But I felt, I feel like there's a lot more Americans in the Peloton that are making an impression, oh, especially yeah. younger. And races in America getting bigger and bigger. Yep. What's, oh, oh, let's Team talk Smart about, Stop oh. Was yeah. one of my notes as far as, you know, on the American side of it, it was their year. Yep. Huge. Then, and then you have um, United Healthcare had a really great year mm-hmm. um, in Europe. Um, oh, who yeah. did I? Oh, who did I see was going there? Oh shit! What was his name? Who was on? Oh, Yanni Brokovic. Oh yeah, yeah. So apparently That's he's crazy. going. That feels a little weird to me to have him go there, but okay. Um, <laughs> but that's a good sign, though. If Europeans are like, "Hey, I want to go to this American team." This like pro Conti team. Right. You know? I read that story and there was so much, you know, one way or that way. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it yeah. up? Is it a down? You know, and he seemed pretty positive about it. So Yeah, I'm not I don't know how I feel about Yanni. Um but But from the team standpoint, yes. A get like that, you know, yeah. all of a sudden opens up so many other things. I mean, there's yep. hopefully some leadership, some experience, some development. Yep. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Um, I think that, so I think that is interesting. It's going to be interesting to see Americans. Well, and you think, oh, yeah, Joe Dombrowski is leaving Sky and going to the new Garmin Cannondale team, I believe. Oh, he is. I think I missed that. Yeah. Or shit. Is that it? I think he's going there. He could be right. Uh, But, you know, so... Some of the younger guys doing some stuff, you know, hopefully Taylor will be back soon and make a make a big splash. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of guys, a lot of Americans waiting in the wing. Yeah. Waiting to, uh, TJ, I really, really would love TJ to 
do something amazing next continue. year. Continue, yeah. Yep. Continue growing, being awesome. But you just got to Yeah, that was a big event you know. this year was uh, Taylor Finney. Yeah. And I Ugh. think I read that was going to take a lot longer to recover. What? Yeah. His leg? You know, yeah, they gave him a window, and he's saying, yeah, it's more towards the long end of the window as far as how many months it's going to take to come back. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't come back much for next season either. Right. I mean, he was focused on next year's tour as being yep. kind of the goal. But, you know, what can you expect at that point? Right. I mean, if he isn't really able to get back onto that base, get that base training back in on the over the off season. I mean, it'll, it'll just be an unknown. I don't know. I mean, it will be. I mean, maybe towards the end of next season, at the end of last next season, he could be something. But, yeah, I don't know. Fingers crossed for him. Yep. Because he could be amazing. <sighs> All right. So many things happened this year, see? Yeah, you know? <laughs> no, no, I know. And I remember most of them, so that makes me feel good. Well, no, it's great because <laughs> you look at some of the write-ups and they go, oh, ho-hum, another year's over. Yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? There's so much that happened. And we had mm-hmm. a crazy good Giro with Quintana. We had a crazy, crazy Tour de France with everybody you know, out that you expected to be in. Right. And then the Vuelta was exciting. And then so many good classics. I don't know. Nope. I th- I think it was a phenomenal year and it was fun to cover it with you. Yeah, it was a good year. It, it's always a good year. You know, I don't know. And next year we'll Even watch if, some races. Every year, next year will also be a good year. <laughs> let's be, <laughs> let's be honest. That's just how it happens. It's the optimist club. Yep. Oh, God. Yep, that's us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. I think we'll wrap it up. I think that um, was a good... I feel like we... I feel like we did the season justice. I I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we did. I mean... If we missed anything, any favorite moments that we missed or whatnot, let us know. You can tweet at us either. I'm at um, Blooming Cyclist on Twitter. And I'm CFiddy, C underscore F-I-D-D-Y. Yep, and uh, you can tweet us at the podcast, too, at Pelotonitis. And thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you again next time.